Welcome to Old Treasures Made New, your devotional podcast on the go or at home, where we read the scriptures and reflect on them with those from the past. Today we're reading Luke chapter 1, verses 46 to 56, and then through J.C. Rao's expository thoughts on Luke. Please take a moment to pause and to ask the Holy Spirit to bring understanding and to apply what we hear. Luke chapter 1, verses 46 to 56. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from the thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. This is the word of the Lord. These verses contain the Virgin Mary's famous hymn of praise in the prospect of becoming the mother of our Lord. Next to the Lord's Prayer, perhaps, few passages of the scripture are better known than this. Wherever the Church of England prayer book is used, this hymn forms part of the evening service. And we need not wonder that the compilers of that prayer book gave it so prominent a place. No words can express more aptly the praise for redeeming mercy which ought to form part of the public worship of every branch of Christ's church. Let us mark, firstly, the full acquaintance with Scripture which this hymn exhibits. We are reminded, as we read it, of many expressions in the book of Psalms. Above all, we are reminded of the song of Hannah in the book of Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 2, it is evident that the memory of the blessed virgin was stored with scripture. She was familiar, whether by hearing or by reading, with the Old Testament. And so, when out of the abundance of her heart her mouth spoke, she gave full vent to her feelings in scriptural language. Moved by the Holy Spirit to break forth into praise, she chooses language which the Holy Spirit had already consecrated and used. Let us strive, every year we live, to become more deeply acquainted with Scripture. Let us study it, search into it, dig into it, meditate on it, until it dwells in us richly. Colossians 3.16 In particular, let us labor to make ourselves familiar with those parts of the Bible which, like the book of Psalms, describe the experience of the saints of old. We shall find it most helpful to us in all our approaches to God. It will supply us with the best and most suitable language both for the expression of our needs and thanksgivings. Such knowledge of the Bible can doubtless never be attained without regular daily study. But the time spent on each study is never misspent. It will bear fruit after many days. Let us mark, secondly, in this hymn of praise, the Virgin Mary's deep humility. She who was chosen of God to the high honor of being Messiah's mother speaks of her own low estate and acknowledges her need of a savior. She does not let a word fall to show that she regarded herself as a sinless, immaculate person. On the contrary, 
She uses the language of one who has been taught by the grace of God to feel her own sins, and so far as being able to save others, requires a savior for her own soul. We may safely affirm that none would be more forward to reprove the honor paid by the Roman Church to the Virgin Mary than the Virgin Mary herself. Let us copy this holy humility of our Lord's Mother while we steadfastly refuse to regard her as a mediator or to pray to her. Like her, let us be lowly in our own eyes and think little of ourselves. Humility is the highest grace that can be adorned on the Christian character. It is a true saying of an old divine that, quote, a man has just so much Christianity as he has humility, end quote. It is the grace which of all is most suiting to human nature. Above all, it is the grace which is within the reach of every converted person. All are not rich, all are not learned, all are not highly gifted, all are not preachers, but all children of God may be clothed with humility. Let us mark, thirdly, the lively thankfulness of the Virgin Mary. It stands out prominently in all the early part of her hymn. Her soul magnifies the Lord. Her spirit rejoices in God. All generations shall call her blessed. Great things have been done for her. We can scarcely enter into the full extent of feelings which a holy Jewess would experience on finding herself in Mary's position. But we should try to recollect them as we read her repeated expressions of praise. We too shall do well to walk in Mary's steps in this matter and cultivate a thankful spirit. It has ever been a mark of God's most distinguished saints in every age. David in the Old Testament and Paul in the New are remarkable for their thankfulness. We seldom read much of their writings without finding them blessing and praising God. Let us rise from our beds every morning with a deep conviction that we are debtors, and that every day we have more mercies than we deserve. Let us look around us every week as we travel through the world and see whether we have not much to thank God for. If our hearts are in the right place, we shall never find any difficulty in building an Ebenezer. Well would it be if our prayers and supplications were more mingled with thanksgiving. 1 Samuel 7.12 and Philippians 4.6 Let us mark, fourthly, the experimental acquaintance with God's former dealings with his people, which the Virgin Mary possessed. She speaks of God as one whose mercy is on those who fear him, as one who scatters the proud and puts down the mighty and sends the rich away empty, as one who exalts them of low degree and fills the hungry with good things. She spoke, no doubt, in recollection of Old Testament history. She remembered how Israel's God had put down Pharaoh, and the Canaanites, and the Philistines, and Sennacherib, and Haman, and Belshazzar. She remembered how he exalted Joseph, and Moses, and Samuel, and David, and Esther, and Daniel, and never allowed his chosen people to be completely destroyed. And in all God's dealings with herself, in placing honor upon a poor woman of Nazareth, in raising up Messiah on such dry ground as the Jewish nation seemed to become, she traced the handiwork of Israel's covenant God. The true Christian should always give close attention to Bible history and the lives of individual saints. Let us often examine the footsteps of the flock, Song of Solomon 1.8. Much study throws light on God's mode of dealing with his people. He is of one mind. 
what he does for them and to them in the past is likely to be done in time to come. Such study will teach us what to expect, check unwarranted expectations, and encourage us when cast down. Happy is that man whose mind is well stored with such knowledge. It will make him patient and hopeful. Let us mark, lastly, the firm grasp which the Virgin Mary had of Bible promises. She ends her hymn of praise by declaring that God has blessed Israel in remembrance of his mercy, and that he has done as he has spoken to our fathers, to Abraham and his seed forever. These words show clearly that she remembered the Old Testament promise made to Abraham, and you, all the nations of the earth, shall be blessed. And it is evident that in the approaching birth of her son, she regarded this promise as about to be fulfilled. Let us learn from this holy woman's example and to lay firm hold on Bible promises. It is of deepest importance to our peace to do so. Promises are, in fact, the manna that we should eat daily and the water that we should daily drink as we travel through the wilderness of this world. We see not yet all the things put under us. We see not Christ and heaven and the book of life and the mansions prepared for us. We walk by faith, and this faith leans on promises. But on those promises we may lean confidently. They will bear all the weight we can lay on them. We shall one day find, like the Virgin Mary, that God keeps his word, and that what he has spoken so he will always in due time perform. That is the end of Rao's expository thoughts for these verses. Let us carefully consider what we have heard today, and may the Lord be pleased to bring the growth for his glory. In considering what we have just heard, would you prayerfully ask yourself and others the following questions? First, Are we regularly seeking to meet God in His Word? Has our knowledge of God grown in this past year due to such study? Second, humility, says Ryle, is the highest grace that can adorn the Christian character and that it is in reach of every converted person. Would those who know us best describe us as humble? Does our doctrine humble or puff us up? Third, The Bible says that there is nothing we have that we have not received. Are we thankful as we consider all we have is from our loving Heavenly Father? Or do we have difficult building an Ebenezer of thankfulness? Fourth, God's faithfulness with His people in the past informs us of His future faithfulness. Are we students of the history of the Bible? Or we tend to shy away from it? And lastly, Do we read the Bible looking for the promises God has made and then cling to them as if our lives depend on them? If God's promises are manna and water for our journey, shouldn't we be diligent in this task?